0: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com.
1: There was really only one player who brought the juice against Cleveland offensively. Now, I think the entire defense brought juice for a majority of that game. Watt was Watt. Got himself mm-hmm. a sack. He always just gets a sack when he goes out there. Always, yeah. I do have to give a little bit of a hat tip to, to Garrett. Garrett yeah. played his first I'm-gonna-beat-Steelers the game mm-hmm. of his career, I believe, and it showed. Two sacks. and. I mean,
2: it showed on the first play of the game. Know, it was just Steelers. a monster
1: all game long. I'm abusing Dan Moore, by the way, uh, yeah. the Miles Garrett stopper. You know, a lot of people Didn't say do that. Dan stopping.
2: Moore somehow has been that kryptonite for Miles Garrett. You know who heard that, I think? Miles Gary. I think he's yeah. probably heard
1: that a little bit, yeah. right? And yeah, he's probably yeah, yeah. just like, I am better than this person. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. Like, this has been a fluke every time. Mm-hmm. And he proved that it might have been a fluke. You knew that was going to happen, though. Like, the Capitals finally beating the Penguins. And it was going You knew Garrett was going to wreck a right. Steeler game. He's just too good not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Watt did his fair share of game-wrecking as well. Highsmith, I
2: thought Highsmith... Was phenomenal in run support. I thought that there were a lot the of The one plays play I, I think you could say maybe he slipped up was the double reverse, and he kind maybe, of bit on the first but read. But there were
1: plays that I thought could have gone for 10, 15 yards that he's putting them in the dirt after two. Well, There's one that I remember. It, it was a, an outside run. I forget who the running back was. Highsmith's the only guy there to stop it from being a first down. Tackles them high, just rides them out of bounds. It's only like a one-and-a-half-yard yeah. gain. He he was really good at stopping Him the run. and Cam and Keanu Bennett, I think. And all TJ, too, days. were great yeah. in run support. Um, listen, the, def- the, the Browns' game plan offensively was get the ball out of DTR's fans fast before the mm-hmm. pass rush can get there and run the heck out of the football. Steelers did a good job, I think, of stuffing the run for the most part. Yeah, I mean,
2: obviously game. they did because the Browns averaged like 150 yards per game on the ground. They only had like 100 or so. And DTR threw what forty six pass attempts. That's insane to think about, forty six of them. But they were all quick. They were all short, yeah, fast, right. quick. Get the ball. You out his look hands. And, he had some like some guys dropped some balls. David and Joku had, the, had at custom, the end like of the ten game, fantasy points right, just on drops. Right, 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 right. He he had some miscues. I'll say like he didn't look like a stud, but he had a better, a much better performance than Kenny Pickett did. But, but and like, you know why? Because all how many of his throws were just down the middle of the field? Easy, yeah. He used the middle of the field a uh, decent four amount. or five yard reach, not long, yeah.
1: not long down the no, middle of the field. No, 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 but no, no, he, no. I he would have had more if Njoku could catch the ball that were converted into
2: first downs
1: 100%. Yeah. Slants to Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, there was that one to Cooper slant that Joey Porter Jr. got dinged up on a hole. I'll say call. Joey
2: Porter Jr. got cooked a little bit early on but adjusted really nicely as the rest of the game progressed. Oh, yeah, there's nothing about that game that I was like, ah, Porter Jr., take a step no, back No, I mean, I, the biggest play of his game was uh, when the Browns were approaching the end zone at the end of the first half, and he had that pass breakup. And I, I think, again, he's getting these calls. He's gotten
1: a lot of penalties this year. It's, that's a reputation thing. Once he really establishes himself mm-hmm. as one of the league's best, he'll get the benefit of the doubt on this one. But right now it's right. Cooper versus Porter Jr., and the refs know yeah. Cooper. Yeah, Coop. I
2: think that the the call on Ch- Joey was a little— Cooper was pushing and grabbing, too. Yeah, there, was, too. there like, was contact from both guys. How do you just say and only one of them is guilty?
1: Plus, the ball being a thousand yards over both oh of them. Oh, my heads. God. I know holding is different, yeah, right? But still, but still if was, it's 50-50, wasn't even looking for the right. ball. Right. If it's 50-50 and the ball is not even close, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can let that holding go. Uh, so, the de- defense brought the juice. I'm not, I am not. I said the only person that brought the juice to start this episode. I was talking offensively. Defense was great. Defense did what they had to do to win yeah, the I football mean, game. you know, you, if, if you talk won, about... Would you like some splash in another big turnover? Yeah, but.
2: I mean that was going to run out eventually. You want to talk about how the Steelers only managed ten points against the best defense in football? Well, what did they do last year, last week when they went up against the second best defense in football against the against the Ravens? They scored what thirty points? Thirty points. Now Deshaun is in. Points, but yeah, but still thirty-three points. So. I mean, when you say Deshaun is in, how many of us, including the two of us, looked at when Deshaun Watson went out for the year as? We looked at it as from the perspective of it's just the worst contract in football, not, oh, my God, the Browns just got so much worse because they have to go forward with DTR instead, right? Yeah. I mean, so you can't even but, say, oh, but Deshaun was not playing this week, so they would have had 35 points this week. You, don't, you you can't say that confidently. I can't say that confidently. Offensively for the Steelers, though,
1: the only person that mm-hmm. deserved anything was Jalen Warren, Um just before we even talk about his game and the coaching decisions Let's that were with him, we pay give him. him his money. Yeah, Titty. Pay that man his money. That's the only guy that deserves it, as far Absolutely. as I'm it's I Absolutely. Mean, it's not even close. Maybe you could give it to Watt
2: because of his sack. Yeah, and but games. it wasn't but, like a normal TJ Watt game no, where you saw him ever present. Exactly. So Jalen
1: Warren was the moneymaker, and I don't understand. And this is the tease that I had coming into this episode the coaching decision to only give him the ball nine, yeah. ta- nine times in that game. And he caught three more passes, three targets, so 12 But plays. how many of those
2: targets were on third down and third well, down. one was long. the swing play I mentioned
1: earlier in the, ep- in but the it first was screens episode where it was just blown on up third right down. away. He got one of them. Yeah, he one, was one awesome. of them to a first down. It was a great play.
2: But there was also one late in the fourth quarter. It had no shot whatsoever. So 12 times the ball
1: was in the hands of the one player on your offense that was giving a damn in that game. And maybe it's unfair to say that about the receivers because they can't mm-hmm. throw the ball to themselves right. after all. Right. But Jalen Warren was the only person that was showing you something. And the— Keep going back to Najee and to kind of stay true with this 50 50 split. Mm-hmm. This is not a bash Najee by any means no. kind of thing, but this is a you so clearly had a hot hand, you so clearly had somebody that just it was it meant more to him or it was just going differently mm-hmm. for him or he had that edge had against this Browns runs. defense that the Browns defense just weren't able to handle him. He had the mismatch. His he had st-
2: two runs of, I, that I can remember that stick out to me where he stiff-armed a guy into the ground yeah, and got dis- an extra disgusting. seven yards because of it. It was disgusting. And then there was another run. It might have been the same run where he gets tripped up after
1: four yards, like rebalances yes. himself immediately, yes. and then and just takes right off forward. going. His style was giving the Browns so much more of a problem mm-hmm. than Najee Harris's style of running Yet you saw the 50-50 split down. What happened after the George Pickens 12-yard catch uh, late before, in the penultimate drive for the Steelers, before the minute 42 drive? handoff to Naj, and he loses right, like five right, right. so right. yards. Not to say that Naj is bad, or he was the reason he lost five but yards. But you're just giving
2: the ball why to the wrong that person. Though? Though? Right. It, it should and have, and have the been Warren all after, second half. After he, that touchdown by Warren was the Steelers' first drive of the second half. Second play of the second right. half. He had... Four carries the rest of that half.
1: And how they were do, you, all, how and, do you? And 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 yeah, they yeah, were yeah. all great carries. They were yeah, all right.
2: really positive how do carries. you? There was one that I think he got blown up. See but. a guy get a touchdown for seventy. What was it? Seventy four yards. Seventy four yards and then give him four more carries. This wasn't a 75-yard touchdown with four minutes or five minutes left in the game. How did he you not... had 30 minutes left of the game. How did he not get four more carries on the very next possession? Like right.
1: how It was so bizarre for me that they just went. And then Tomlin said after the game, they have no regrets. They don't live in their fears. You know, all the... The, the... the isms. Yes, mm-hmm. but, I mean, you have to have some regret. That has to be something that you look at on Monday and say... We erred in identifying Jalen Warren being the guy in this game. Moving forward, yes, we have a 50-50 split, but if it is so clear that one is giving us a lot more than the other, we have to go to him more than the mm-hmm. other. It can't just be a everybody eats from the same plate. There's 12 carries for Najs in this game. There's nine carries plus the three catches for uh, Warren, so that's 12 total touches. Naj had a catch for a yard, so that's... 13 total touches. So 13 touches for Najee total, 12 total for Jalen. You're 50-50 split on guys who one had 36 total yards of offense and the other guy had about 140 total yards of offense. Why are you 50-50 there? Mm-hmm. And and by the way, the Packers game, it worked. Najee had 82 yards. Right, right. Jalen had 100. 100. Mm-hmm. I want to
2: split the carries yeah. there. It if it's working for both, you split. If it's clearly working for one guy, you feed the clearly guy. Clearly the power style from Naj,
1: just it, the Browns are good at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a physical team up yeah, front, absolutely. too. You needed that burst, that right. punch-in-the-mouth speed of Jalen Warren to be effective, and that's what was doing it on the ground for them. I mean, 6.6 yards per carry is what the Steelers averaged in this game. 2.9 for Naj, 2.3 for Kenny on four carries that he had. Pickens had a reverse minus one yard. It's all Jalen Warren lifting that up. Yeah, give us
2: give us Jalen Warren's average yard per 14.3, carry. Fourteen point three. And then but... what did we dis- What did we even discuss though? Off air, you take you take away the touchdown, he still averaged six point eight yards per carry. On the other plays, he was eight carries for fifty five yards. Other than the seventy
1: four. Six point eight yards per carry. It's amazing. I mean, it's like what Nick Chubb was doing for the Browns before Tom, he got the, hurt. the
2: Steelers, as we know, before, well, it's been three games in a row they've ran for over 160 yards because they did it against Green Bay. And the week before was uh, Tennessee. Tennessee, thank you. Before that Thursday night game against Tennessee, where did the Steelers rank in rushing yards per game? 30th? 31st? They rank 15th in the league in rushing yards per game right now because they've gone 160, then 200, and then 170 yesterday. Yeah, and once again... I
1: mean, I think he had some struggles in this game as well because the offensive line pass protection wasn't great. Cleveland's amazing though at defense. Roderick Jones is in there and you see more dividends from the running game. And on Jalen Warren's touchdown run, it, it was who was, was kicked out field. there upfield, mm-hmm. splitting the corner wide, creating a hole in the second level for Jalen Warren to get through and then use his speed to finish off the run. He had to make one player, I think it was Newsome Miss in the slot he did. That's all you need. And to that was games. early, right? That was that was. That's what you asked that was you before back he to do. even got the first down. He you, made that guy. You miss. You need to make one guy miss. That's what the running back mm-hmm. is supposed to do. Make one guy miss, and then it's a huge run. And that's exactly It was it was beautifully executed. Um, What Broderick Jones has done for this running game, and honestly, what Jalen Warren has done to this running game, is a revelation for this team. But the fact that you went just you you. you you can't help if you're the Steelers but to just kind of default back into this is how we've planned to do it and this is what we're going to do and we're going to get to something that Kenny said in the post game that kind of speaks to that as well but with the running game in which running back you you deployed your game plan going into this game and what it turned into the past couple weeks is we got, there is no starter, right? It's an or. It's a Naj or a Jalen. They both get introduced at the home game before the Packers game. They both get to run out of the tunnel. This is a total 50-50 split as it comes. And then you get to the weighty moments of the game and Jalen's just so much better than Naj has been and you're still playing it like the blackjack book at the casino table where you're just like, well, this is Naj's drive. We determine that if they're going to go 50-50, then Naj gets these next couple carries. And then Jalen will get the next one. And then and then Naj will get the next one. It, instead there of just no There's no in-game yeah, no right. We got to just go. like, There's no going up to the running backs and being like, I know this is your series, Naj, but we're putting 30 out there again and right. seeing what he does. Like, And that's part of being a team first player is being like, yep, yes, sir, that's right. And I'm sure that they would do that. I'm sure that they would be fine with that because at the end of the day, they want to win in Cleveland and set themselves up for this division. doesn't matter if it's Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, whoever carrying the ball across the finish line. If Anthony McFarland has to come in and carry a ball for a first down to win the game, they don't care. But to just kind of keep defaulting into, well, we are got 50-50 split in this backfield. This is Najee's series. you got to make those adjustments. Right. you got to have that
2: feel for the game and just ride that hot hand out. Yeah, you really can't uh, defend the lack of accountability when it comes to that play calling. And even though you think that after yesterday, Kenny Pickett deserves a little more criticism than the play calling, maybe that's a result of the play calling put Kenny in the spotlight more than it did Jalen Warren. And so you found more flaws in Kenny Pickett's game than you did with the play calling overall just because you had to see more of Kenny. I mean... For Jalen Warren to finish the day with less than double-digit carries. I, I don't know, Tom, a guy who is considered a starter on a team as a running back in the last 10 to 20 years who has a 75-yard touchdown run in that game but had less than 10 carries in the game not due to injury. Tell me a team that sees a guy explode for that kind of touchdown and doesn't get him the ball more than 10 times in the game a team that has a a game plan to split the carries
1: and there's nothing that obviously performance wise in the positive can change that or even in the negative from the other running back can change that. It's just things just weren't going for Naj in that game. He think he wasn't able to get anything going and juxtaposed with the other guy having all room to run and being majorly effective. The only reason you had any
2: offense at all was because of Jalen Warren in right. that game. Oh, yeah, you take Jalen Warren out of the equation, not just the touchdown, but the other, what, seven carries for eight carries yeah, for you 58, you 58 yards? Yeah, 10 like that? to
1: three, maybe, even, don't even score. Yeah. I mean, its he was really your only offense whatsoever, and you just didn't adjust your game plan to give him the ball more, I, I have to speculate.
2: And- Getting ready to take on spring?
1: Kind Of what I was just talking about, Kenny Pickett post game had an interesting comment where he said, We expected the Browns to play a lot of man, but they went zone, but they went out with a lot of zone, and so we didn't know what to do with that. What does that mean? That first of all, that's kind of blaming your coaches, it's kind of putting right. it on the coaching staff saying that there's no adjustments being made, but at the same time, I mean,
2: that, so you're you, telling you me you can never that... you can never throw against the zone if you if you only if you prepare don't expect for the it. pass, if you don't expect a or if you only uh, prepare for the man. Like
1: this ain't Syracuse hoops where you know right. they're playing zone every time you go up against them. Although, how about not anymore? You man to man from Syracuse. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's like it's like a bad trip when you see them playing man to man. I but mean, like, it's a, it's a new it, era for years in the past. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, we're playing Syracuse's two three zone, and we know where they're going to throw at us. They teams do that all the time. Like uh, Jim Schwartz is a great defensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach. I don't think he's going to get another head coaching gig. But he's a great
2: defensive coordinator. He might. He might. You know this there going- defense right now. Charlie Batch brought this up. It's on the post game show last night. They're averaging second best in the last 15 years yards per game, only to the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow! But my point with Schwartz is,
1: he's looking and saying, "I got a quarterback in Kenny Pickett who is treading water and he is going down pretty mm-hmm. fast." We throw man out at everybody. We love playing man. What if I made this kid? play against a little bit of zone this week. What if I threw a little bit of a curveball at him? How is he going to adjust this? You know, he's this young, you know, hitter thinking he's going to hit this fastball that I'm going to throw to him right away. I'm going to give him a mean 12-6 curve and see if he swings out of his shoes. See how he handles it. And clearly based on the post-game comments, he did not handle it well, no, not at or all. the coaching staff and
2: him didn't handle it well Yeah, and, and, and the thing that you brought up is You know, kind of throwing his coaches under the bus. I don't think he threw him under the bus. Don't uh, don't say that I said that. No, 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 no. He's kind of avoiding taking the blame himself. He's insinuating that it's
1: obviously him, but also the coaching staff didn't do a good job. But the one
2: big criticism I've seen of Kenny off the field is that he doesn't really take accountability. I don't know about that. I think, he's, more always so pretty, of, I think he's pretty standard to buy the book. It's more so of, we've got to do better. We've got to adjust better. It's never, you know, and I, and I think you point, I think we point this out, or maybe I point this out just because it seemed like every week, if it was a loss, Ben took the blame. Whatever the blame was, Ben fronted it in the, in, the, in those press conferences. It's on me. It's on me. It's on me. I don't really see that much out of Kenny as i as much as i did i don't know i i think kenny does an okay job of of post game sound bites
1: he's he's very vanilla and he says i think mostly the right things and again i don't think he was trying to do anything with the coaching staff that's just what i inferred from it and i i lump him into that category as well where it's just not good enough to be like oh throw our hands in the air they're in zone well, we had all these great man-busters that we planned all week. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with these now? I guess we're still run them against the zone. Uh, you know how to beat a zone. You're a 23-game starting NFL quarterback at this point. You played five years in college. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that a man switching to a zone is just going to make it's you too much for you. You, you right. can't handle right. it. So uh, it was weird to see him say that. And if he was saying that as a way like we were trying to chasing all game long to try to figure out how to break up this, I mean— I just I don't know. It's just so frustrating. I will say this yeah, though, Deontay Johnson, one of the best route runners in the league. Mm-hmm. I think it's smart for the Browns to go zone. That pretty much takes him out of the game. I mean, yeah, he's going to get open every now and then, but his bread and butter is beating man coverage. Um, if it's just you know he's running in from zone to zone to zone, I think that's a good way to take him out. Zone busters are obviously tight ends a lot of the time, and. You just never really see Pat Utes in the middle of the field. And, no, I
2: mean, Pat— And that's I another mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great segue. With Pat firemouth yeah. like,
1: people want to say that the coaching is failing Kenny Pickett and that's why he has looked this bad. I think that's true when it comes to Pat Friermuth. They're not using him the way that he's supposed to be used. No, They're lining him up in line, acting like he's, you know, Heath Miller, some traditional tight end that, you know, always has his hand in the dirt— Pat should be lined up in the slot. Pat should be a wide receiver. He should be mm-hmm. within the runner's stance, in the wide receiver stance. Excuse me, with the hands hanging, dangling down. Like that's where Pat Frymuth should be being used. He's a modern day tight end, and they're trying to force him into more of a traditional sense of the position. And it's just, it's completely stunting his growth in what is now his third year of his NFL career. I mean, you want to talk about util- utilizing someone wrong and stunting growth. I don't think it's Kenny Pickett that you point to. I think it's Pat Friermuth because this guy is just not allowed. This is a thoroughbred type of tight end that's not allowed. What's he going to do? He's going to ignore what the coaches want him to do and line up in the slot And when he's supposed to be, you know, hand in the dirt next to Broderick Jones. He's just doing what he's coached to do. Uh, They don't use him in routes that are to the best – that would maximize the best of his potential. And you're just – Really hurting yourself because, again, against the zone, if they switch to zone, it it should have been the Pat Friermuth day. Like just Pat, Mm -hmm. try to find a soft spot in that zone 5, 10 yards down the field and we're going to dink and dunk our way down. But instead it's just Pat staying and helping pass protection and then leak out at the very end for a little flare if we need it or Pat, we're going to need you in run support Mm -hmm. here. We're going to help, you know, Broderick Jones out, double team this tackle so Jalen can get the outside. Just not the way you use them.
2: No, it's not, and you know, you could have made this excuse saying, well, you don't have Pat out there, you only have Darnell Washington, who you clearly don't like as much as a receiver as you do an extra blocker, Uh, Connor Hayward you're going to use in only specific packages, so the last couple of weeks with Pat out with his hamstring injury, you could say, well, you could say, I'm not not trying to say this is a legitimate argument, but you could say, oh, well, that's why they weren't attacking the middle of the field, because they didn't have their go-to guy for the middle of the field. Well... One, there, there are many flaws to that argument, but the two biggest is, one, are you then saying that Kenny Pickett can't get to the ball to Deontay Johnson and George Pickens or Najee Harris or Jalen Warren in the middle of the field? Do you think you can only throw it to Pat Faramuth over the middle of the field? One. Two, you had him back for the first time, and he. I think he had, what, one target, maybe two targets, one catch yesterday? Fryermuth's yesterday's stat line was...
1: I hate when it refreshes. He had one catch Yep, on one target. One target. For seven yards. It was that go. little screen. Yeah, and, and he to kinda the sideline. S- he kind of slipped. Not- no, it was in the middle. It was in the middle. And he kind of slipped in the middle of the field as he turned it up. And he, he only got seven yards. It could have been a bigger gain. But one chance. One target. One chance for him to make an impact on the game. One chance. So I, I think they're just woefully underusing him. Um Man, this was an eye-opener. It really was. I I think a lot of people that were, I don't want to say easy on Kenny Pickett, but were kind of not ready to say he's not the guy, and I don't know if we're ready to say that yet either. People are getting closer to that point, though, now, because this this game was just so in-your-face, and I do think there is a little bit, too. He gets a lot of leash from the fan base because of the pit connection and he won the ACC championship. There was a caller
2: last night for the postgame show saying, I'll admit it, I'm a pick guy. I went there, I was rooting for him, and he just defended him. There are more, there is more of a leash because of that. Mm -hmm. I
1: mean, this town is so hard on quarterbacks until you're the quarterback, Mm -hmm. and that hasn't been the case with Kenny Pickett. This is the city that booed Terry Bradshaw before he turned things around. Kenny has not had to endure that at all. Kenny has kind of been treated with a very soft landing but you lose 13 to 10 in Cleveland in a game of that magnitude against the Browns, against that quarterback, and you only throw for 106 yards in the process. I mean, mm-hmm. you're very clearly at the top of the list of how did we lose that game? Quarterback didn't play well enough. I think you start to see the tides even starting to turn and, and being like, yeah, mm, yeah I mean, yeah, how do
2: you defend him at this point without just being blind? After Matt Canada consistently was getting booed week after week. Even at away games, even at Penguins games, <laughs> those calls have even subs- at college game day behind right, apathy, right like- the signs, those have subsided, and I don't think it's because Canada's doing a better job and maybe he's making progress week by week. But like you said, you don't you just don't trust him overall. But I think it's because the call the cause for concern is starting to even out between Canada and Kenny. And, and you know what else? I think. People are
1: starting to hear that now. People are like, "Well, it's Canada. You got to fire Canada," and they're kind of rolling their eyes. They're like, "Oh, okay, really? Seriously? Yes, like enough already." Yeah, I'm with you. Like, it's not just that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's time to move on from that because it's clearly beyond just the plays that he's calling. It's the execution, mainly Mm -hmm. from the quarterback position, that is dragging this offense down into the mud. Now you got to turn the page, and and you have to get a split. I mean, you got to get a split in the Ohio. Against the Ohio teams, that right. was the goal from all along. It looked like you could go two and zero because right. of your injury luck, but definitely did. You still got to get a split, so now you got to focus on Cincinnati. Because
2: if you fall to six and five after being six and, and three, you lose to Browning and DTR.
1: Right. I will say this about Cincinnati: that defense isn't terrible, um, but it's not like the Browns' defense. Trey so. Henderson might not be up there. Hope- Sam Hubbard might not be there. I mean, hopefully, you can get a little bit more going offensively against the Bengals but
2: I'm at the point where I don't expect much, even though they're playing oh, no. a defense that's less. No, if if anything, Tom, you'll see another 13-10 to 10 game. I think that's the only guarantee you can say of that game is that it's going to be another, what, it'd be, what have people been calling it, a rock fight? Mm-hmm. AFC North matchups yep. this year? Guaranteed to be another rock Tom fight. Tom will probably
1: say that tomorrow at yeah. his press conference, that yep. it'll be another rock fight between... Us in the Bengals. We'll do a lot of Bengals preview uh, tomorrow's episode on the short week before the Thanksgiving holiday. Breakdown: How to beat Jake Browning and get to seven and four because it's you need to get to seven and four. Absolutely. You need to Absolutely, this in I mean, Ohio. If the, you go to six and five now, I'm starting to think are
2: playoffs not a guarantee. Well, I I think it is. I think you have to say that because even though you don't believe in them, Buffalo's still hanging around. They're six and five. That, that's a great point. I think Buffalo's going to sneak back into this. Well,
1: things. It, we'll see how they, they I got don't the know Eagles, who it's they got be. the Chiefs, they I don't got know who the Cowboys. It's be. Yeah, I
2: mean, I saw this, I'm sure you saw this too watching the Bills game. They had the seventh easiest schedule leading up for like the first half but of the, now the season. It's the hardest in the now NFL. it's the third it's the third hardest in the NFL uh, down the rest of the stretch. But I won't even say But all it takes is them like beating the Eagles and they're right back on track. We're talking about one team. Houston's in the Houston's mix. Indy's in the mix. Indy's in, in the mix. Denver, after last night, five is and in the five mix. Now
1: in a huge, huge two games for the Broncos, they have the Browns at home, then they go to Houston. So they're five and five with games against mm-hmm. wildcard teams in front of them. Like Denver can play themselves right back. I in
2: think of things. all the teams we're talking about in the hunt, the only team you can discount is Cincinnati because of the Brown, the injury, because to of the Burrow season-ending injury. Like I don't discount the Browns because one, they're seven and three, and two, you can see that Deshaun Watson wasn't the piece holding them together to lead them to seven and three. No, yeah, and we'll we'll take a look around the NFL and what happened on Sunday
1: on our next episode and talk about the Eagles and Chiefs game tonight as well. Uh, before we get into, like I said, tomorrow all Brown- Steelers and Bengals discussion. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman. This is the Steelers Standard.